0: And welcome to another episode of Dead Curious. We are your sister hosts. My name is Roxanne. My name is Jessica. So today we'll be sharing stories from Russia, Mother Russia, and Slavic folklore. Ba 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 ba. Ba 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 But before we get into it, let's do some news. So a fantastic little bit of news that I just shared with Jess thanks to our patrons brad denise and michael we have finally purchased a domain name so i'm gonna be (laughs) so during the course of this week i will be um changing over from our free site domain name to our purchased one so be sure to keep an eye out for that the new website address will be deadcurious.com co.za We are legit, y'all. Legit. So thank you so much to our patrons for all of their support, for their contributions towards the site. Like you guys are just are just so awesome. Like I can't thank you enough. And uh, besides that, is there any other news? Jess, you've moved into a new place this last week. How how are you? How are you finding? First of all, not living with your parents anymore, and then second of all moving away from a haunted house that you've been living in for like 18 years
1: moving out of my parents home just like being away from parents is amazing like i can do what i want i mean i still live with someone so Mm -hmm. it's like you know you need to obviously still be considerate towards that person and and like you know communicate and things like that but it's it's i don't know man it's different it's like it's not your parents so it doesn't you know it's just different and it's good and I've got my own space. <sighs> I love it. We can record in peace and quiet. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's no freaking children next door splashing around and screaming. There's no freaking like six dogs next door. And the hardy dogs are here are fairly quiet-ish. Um, to move out of the haunted house was really nice. I can't guarantee this one isn't haunted because I haven't experienced yeah, anything. But I'm pretty sure that place I mean, is haunted. It's so and old. old.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it can't be but, uh, anything as bad as your old house. So
1: there's that. Yeah, plus that that little place was technically built on as an extension, and it was still haunted. So
0: mm.
1: I think I don't really think age necessarily has anything to do with haunting and stuff like that. More likely because more people have lived here, and therefore higher chances of someone having died here. But so far nothing's happened, so it's nice. I've had a really chill time. I've been sleeping so well. Mm. Like, I don't wake up five, seven times in a night. So, that's nice. It's because you don't have the books watching you while you sleep. And also, another thing is that I've been going to bed at like half past one. (laughs) So, I'm really tired by the time I fall asleep. Because I've been watching funny YouTube videos.
0: (laughs) Oh, because you have that good internet now.
1: I've got the good internet. You got the good internet. Yeah. Um, so yeah,
0: it's been great. Let's push through to the stories. Yes. So
1: you spoke
0: last week um, yep. on the blood countess. So mm-hmm. I think that it's only fair that I start this week. I think so. So let me start. Okay. So I'm going to be sharing with you the tales of Baba Yaga. Now, according to Slavic folklore, Baba Yaga is a supernatural being or a witch, or even a boogeyman, who takes on many forms. One form the Baba Yaga takes is that of a demonic crone with horns on her head, holes for eyes, long nostril hair that flows till her breasts and stands on long dark bony legs. In many other tales, the Baba Yaga is said to be three magical sisters striking in either their beauty or grotesque deformities. But the most popular description of the Baba Yaga is that of an old feral witch who lives deep in the forest. Instead of a broom, she flies around on a giant mortar and lives in a hut on top of a pair of giant chicken legs. So the hut has legs. As they do. As they do. And she is both a good and evil figure in Slavic folklore, as she is known for helping good children who get lost in the woods while cannibalizing the bad ones. Okay. As one of the most famous witches in the world, Baba Yaga has appeared in hundreds if not thousands of folk tales in Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. Today, I will be sharing two of my favorite stories of the Baba Yaga collected in the 19th century by Russian Slavist and ethnographer Alexander Afanasyev, who published nearly 600 Russian fairy and folk tales in one of the largest collections of folklore in the world. And I actually seriously want to get his, his books because there was this artist, I forgot his name, but um, he actually illustrated each of these stories and they're oh. beautiful. it's it's amazing but anyway so the two stories that i have um they are written in a very old style of english they're a bit wordy they're a bit all over the place and the Mm. stories are kind of long so i have actually written it down here i think it's going to just be better if i if i just tell the story from my own heart you know okay story number one is vasilisi the beautiful So Vasilisi was a beautiful young lady who was the daughter of a merchant. Unfortunately, Vasilisi's mother died when she was quite young, but on her deathbed, her mother gave her a doll and told her that if ever she is in trouble, all she needs to do is feed the doll a little bit of food and drink, and then the doll will come to life and help her. Then her mother passed A couple years later, Vasilisi's father then got remarried. And the story's eerily similar to Cinderella.
1: I was getting that vibe. (laughs) Right?
0: Because her father then marries this woman. And her stepmother is like the typical evil stepmother. They treat her very cruelly. This stepmother has two daughters who are older than Vasilisi. But they're not nearly as beautiful. So although there's a lot of men that come and ask for Vasilisi's hand in marriage, the tradition at the time was that the oldest daughters get married first. Mm. So because nobody wanted the stepsisters because they weren't as attractive or beautiful or nice as Vasilisi, she was kind of doomed to live in this situation forever. And she lived as a maid or not even as a maid, more like a servant so one day when Vasilisa's father was off on a business trip her stepmother then sells the house and moves to the woods why we're not really sure it seems like she was just sort of jealous of all the attention that vasilisa was getting so she just sold the place she's like i'm done with this move the mm-hmm. whole family up to the woods and one night, she set a single candle out as light in a room for the three sisters to work and sew in the middle of the night. I don't know why they were doing this, but that's what they were doing. Yeah, and just because her stepsisters were bullies, they put out the light and they were like, oh, well, you now you have to go to Baba Yaga's house and get us some more light because for some reason, they didn't have matches or anything. They couldn't light it themselves. Hmm. So... Vasilisa, for some reason, decides to do it. So she goes out into the wood and she wanders the forest. And then she finally came upon a fence made of human bones. Red flag! (laughs) (laughs) Beyond the fence, she saw a hut atop a pair of giant chicken legs. Now, naturally, Vasilisa was kind of creeped out and she didn't want to go venture... Into this property. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, red flag. Yeah. But uh, as she was sort of stumped and afraid to go any further, she hears calling from the tree line, Baba Yaga, who flies in, in her martyr. And she asks Vasilisi why she is there. Vasilisi says that she has come because she needs a light. Baba Yaga agrees to give her the light if Vasilisi stays the night. And does chores for her. So, Vasilisi thinks, she's not asking me to do chores that I don't already do at home. This will be a piece of cake. But, oh no. Mm. Baba Yaga ends up giving her a list of chores that is so overwhelming, it's impossible for her to get it done in one night. Mm. So, when Baba Yaga is asleep, Vasilisi feeds her doll a little bit of food and a little bit of water. And explains that she needs help and guidance to get through these chores. Mm. So the doll helps Vasilisi with all of her chores and when morning comes, Baba Yaga is surprised to see that all the chores are done. Baba Yaga then asks her, how did you complete everything that I asked you to do? The girl then replies, by the blessings of my mother. By this, the Baba Yaga is completely like freaked out and she starts shouting, I will not have anyone who's blessed in this house. So she kind of kicks Vasilisi out, but does give her a skull lantern. Baba Yaga gives this to Vasilisi and Vasilisi then turns around and and goes back home. When she gets home, she sees that her house is still shrouded in darkness, apparently her stepmother and stepsisters were unable to light anything the entire time that she was gone. And when mm-hmm. she entered the room with the skull, the skull produced this bright light that slowly burnt the stepmother and stepsisters into piles of ash. Then the skull. <laughs> then to make sure that the skull never killed anybody else again, Vasilisi buried the skull underneath the house. She later returned to town and moved in with an old lady who made cloth for a living. To thank the lady for taking her in, she produced the most beautiful cloth the world has ever seen. And the old lady took this to the royal house. And the prince said, Oh my word, this cloth's so gorgeous. Can I please marry whoever made this? And he married Vasilisi. And that is the end of the story.
1: What an interesting, (laughs) like engagement story like <laughs> this cloth I like I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like,
0: <laughs> I, feel like they, I feel like they were like okay we gotta wrap this story up
1: <laughs> Like right. we need a happy ending she burnt the bitches now what <laughs> she her glowing skull burnt them into piles of ash and then she moved to the town without mentioning why she has absolutely no family and when did her father come back wasn't he supposed to be she- on a business trip yeah and then suddenly his house has been sold and his whole family has gone
0: that's exactly what i was thinking so this poor guy probably comes home and is like there's no home <laughs> he finds out that they moved to the forest he goes to the forest there's no one there and then the next thing he knows in the papers oh his daughter's now the queen what right yeah but the interesting thing about this story is that it actually highlights the character that the character Baba Yaga takes in these folklores. It's like mm. she's a character who's quite mischievous in that she's always willing to help. But she's also kind of preparing or trying to make people fail. But she still mm-hmm. stays true to her word. But then she still agrees to help them in the first, first place. So she's yeah. not good. She's not evil. She's sort of a wild card. You, you don't know what to expect with her. So that does bring me to the second story, and this is a very long one, so let me see if I can keep it brief. And it's called The Death of Koski the Deathless. So once upon a time, in a kingdom, somewhere, there lived a prince called Prince Ivan, and he had three beautiful sisters. But their parents were ill, and on the king and queen's deathbed, they made Ivan promise that he were to give his three sisters away in marriage to three suitable men after their passing and over the next three years their palace was visited by three wizard kings so these wizard kings okay the interesting thing about these (laughs) wizards were that they were kind of like wild wizards like one was the (laughs) the falcon king One was the Raven King, and one was I think the Eagle King. Oh, that's cool! And besides being wizards, they could actually turn into into these birds of prey. So each time a big storm would arise, and out of the storm would come one of these birds who would burst into the palace and propose to one of the princesses. And each time the princesses were like, "Oh my word, I'm wooed," and then like (laughs) left with these bird people. (laughs) So (laughs) <laughs> oh, Jess, let, wait, let me just find. Okay, I don't have it with me, but literally they said um, in the original story, they go, I, I was previously a visitor, but now I come as a wooer. And it's like, that's oh, yeah. the dialogue each time.
1: But I'm like skipping that. over
0: that. So with all of his sisters out of the castle, Ivan then gets really lonely and he decides to travel out his kingdom and go find his sisters so he could just visit with them. And on his way he came across a battlefield with hundreds of soldiers just dead. Ooh. There's just it's just this open field of dead bodies everywhere. The Prince Ivan calls out saying, If there's any one of you who is still alive, tell me what has happened here. A survivor replied All this mighty host has been slain by the fair princess Maria Morevna prince ivan rode on in search of this princess and i'll i'll just call her the princess from now on because that yeah. name i just i can't get right so the prince out of curiosity rode on to find this princess and he came across a big white tent inside the big white tent was the princess and she was very fair very charismatic and he basically fell head over heels she asked him hey what are you doing here you know did someone send you or you're here on your own accord and he's like no i came here myself girl and then they spent some time in the tent Uh, apparently they they spent about two days together and then decided that they loved each other and got married okay so after they got married they headed on over to the princess's realm and while there for a couple of days um she then needed to leave to go warring somewhere but before leaving she gave ivan the instructions to look over the kingdom look over the castle see to it that everything is sorted he's got full reign but the one thing he cannot do is to go into the dungeon and go to this one room
1: Hmm. elizabeth bathory vibes
0: elizabeth bathory
1: (laughs) vibes big time
0: so he's like yeah sure but she gets up and as she like leaves the room he goes down to see what's inside this dungeon because he was expecting to see like her her like old lovers or something according to the story Hmm. i don't know if that
1: was typical for princesses to imprison their exes but well she did like slaughter a field of men so but how cool is a warrior princess it is pretty cool
0: anyway So, curiosity got the better of the prince, and he rushed to the dungeon to look inside. And once he opened up the doors, he saw there hanging a withered old man. And this old man was chained by 12 iron chains. And he called out to the prince, Have pity on me and give me something to drink. Ten long years have I been here in torment, neither eating nor drinking. My throat is utterly dried up. The prince gave him a bucket full of water, and he drank the entire thing and then asked for more. He gave the old man two more buckets of water, and when completing the third bucket, the old man stood up, regained his former strength, and broke the chains. This wasn't an old man. This was Kochki the Deathless. Thanks, Prince Ivan, he shouted, And then jumped out of a window into a whirlwind flew past the princess who was leaving the kingdom on her horse picked her up and carried her off into into the wilderness Hmm. prince ivan was obviously upset by this and cried apparently Hmm. he just he just wailed and cried and cried and cried and then vowed to get his princess back so the prince went after koshki and the princess And after days and days of searching, he found where the princess was being held. He went over to the princess and she said, Oh, prince, why? Why did you disobey me? Why did you go looking in there and why did you let him free? The prince was like, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come, let's go. And as they were leaving the place that she was kept, Koshki was out hunting on his magic horse. And while he was doing his thing, his horse all of a sudden stood still koshki then asked the horse hey why are you stopping and the horse is like the princess is being taken and then he rode on his horse and they caught up with the princess and the prince and koshki then warned the prince he said listen because you revived me i'm giving you three chances he says i will not kill you this time if you do it again i will not kill you a second time but the third time i will cut you into pieces yeah yeah So he grabbed the princess and fled off into the dark forest. The prince, again being heartbroken, cried and cried and cried and thought, no, I will find my princess. So he went in search of his princess and after a couple more days of wandering, he comes across this outlandish bird and its chicks. And he goes, oh, it's been days since I've eaten or drank anything. He's like, I'm just going to eat a chicken because he calls them chickens. Okay. And then the outlandish bird says to him, no, please don't, please don't eat us. If you spare us, then we will do you a favor in return. He's like, okay, fine, I'm not gonna eat the chicken. So he goes and he travels and he travels and then he finds his princess again. He finds where his princess is kept. He grabs the princess and he's like, come, I've got you, let's go. And they run off. But again, Koski's horse warned him of what was going on. And on his magical steed, he was able to gallop at such a pace that he could again catch up with the prince, grab the princess. And again, he warned him. He says, you've tried this once, you've tried this twice. Next time, I'm chopping you into pieces. Hmm. And then he fled off into the forest. So the prince... Again, wails and wails and cries and cries because his princess was again taken. So he travels through the forest looking for where his princess is kept. And while there, he comes across a hive of bees. He goes, okay, I still haven't eaten. Let me have some honey. Mm -hmm. And the queen bee then says to the prince, please do not eat our honey. If you spare our honey, we will do you a favor. So he said, okay, fine. I won't eat your honey. So then he leaves and he goes and he goes and he goes, searching for his princess. Again, he finds his princess. And then the princess says to him, please, you cannot take me. If you take me, then he will find you and he'll cut you into pieces. To which the prince replies, then at least I had been able to spend an hour or two with my princess. Oh, I know. So she wraps her arms around his neck and they go like, traveling through the forest as they tried to escape. But, again, Koski's magical horse alerted him to what was going on, and he caught up with the prince. And when he got the prince, he chopped the prince up into tiny pieces, put him in a barrel, and threw the barrel into the ocean. Yeah. Luckily for the prince, he's got three wizard brother-in-laws, who then flew out to the ocean and dragged the barrel to shore. They took out the pieces of the prince and put them together in their order so that they were in the right place. That must have taken ages if he was cut into tiny pieces. Right. Anyway, so the wizards then sprinkled the water of death over his body which then caused the bits and pieces to mend together so that his body was again whole. They then sprinkled the water of life over his body and the prince awoke. Yay. The prince asked if he had woke up from a dream and the wizards explained to him that he was actually dead and he said nobody has to go save his princess. So the wizards say you cannot have any hope of defeating Kofsky unless you get a magical steed of your own. So he asks them how do I get the magical horse and they said the same way Kofsky did. He has to go see the Baba Yaga. Hmm. So he travels into the forest in search of Baba Yaga. While there, he comes across a lioness with her cub. He goes, oh my gosh, I'm like seriously hungry, y'all. I'm going to eat this lion. (laughs) This lion cub.
1: (laughs) So he doesn't eat eat the chicken. He doesn't eat the honey. He wants to eat the lion. He's very hungry now. He just came back from life. From death. He just came back from death and he hasn't eaten (laughs) In days, he wants to kill and eat a lion.
0: (laughs) Okay, just think about it. You've been traveling for days. You've literally been brought back to life. How hungry are you going to be?
1: How weak are you going to be? You think you're going to fight and kill and eat a lion? Bruh.
0: No, he was going to eat the cub.
1: Anyway. But still, you have to fight. off The The lion's not going to just let you take the cub. (sighs)
0: I I didn't write the story. I'm just telling it. So the prince then says to himself, I'm weak, I'm hungry. Like, I seriously got to eat something. I'm going to eat this lion cub. And then the lioness comes up to him and says, No, do not eat my lion cub. If you do not eat my lion cub, I will do you one favor. And he's like, Okay, so be it. Have it your way. That's literally actually what it says in the story. He says, Have it your way. And then he leaves. (laughs) So, <laughs> I
1: can't speak to a lion that way.
0: <laughs> so, he leaves the lion. And then, um, searching the deep forest, he then comes across a fence made of human bones. And there are 12 posts, and 11 of the posts have human skulls on them. Mm. So, he enters into the property where he sees a hut on chicken legs and he calls out baba yaga baba yaga i am here to see you baba yaga says yes prince why are you here has someone sent you or are you here on your own accord he's like i have come on my own accord to ask you for a magical steed she says i will give you a magical steed but you need to do one you've got to do something in return for me You have to look after my mares in the field for three days. And if you can do so without losing one of them, I will give you a magical steed. And if you are unable to look after them for those three days, then your skull will finish my final post. Because remember, there was one post without a skull Mm -hmm. in it. Mm. So he goes, cool, I agree. Baba Yaga finally treats him to some food. And then he was finally able to eat, drink, and rest. So he's ready early the next morning to start his work for Baba Yaga. Mm -hmm. So the prince takes the mares to the field, to the meadow where they're supposed to be grazing. And as they get there, they scatter and they run off in every single direction. But these are magical horses, right? So, sorry, Mm -hmm. they don't run off. They fly off. They literally flew all over the place. Ridiculous. Um, The prince can't fly. So he's pretty sad by this. And then he just finds a stone and cries himself to sleep.
1: Like a Disney princess.
0: (laughs) Like a Disney. This prince cries a lot. So he cries himself to sleep. And he's awoken by that outlandish bird who wakes him up at sunset and says, Fair prince, you may return to Baba Yaga. The mares are in their stable. He's like, but how is that possible? They're like, we did you a favor. Back mm. at Baba Yaga's house, Baba Yaga goes to her maze and says, what on earth are you all doing here? You were supposed to run away from the prince. The maze replied, we tried to, but when we flew away, these outlandish birds came out and almost picked our eyes out. So we had to sure. come back. Baba Yaga said, okay, but make sure that tomorrow you run into the forest so that he cannot find you. So the next morning the same thing happened. The prince went out and took the mares to the field and then they as soon as they got to the field they ran off into the thick forest where the prince couldn't see them. Again the prince sat on a stone and cried himself to sleep. At sunset he was awoken by the lioness who said fair prince go back to Baba Yaga the mares are in the stables. So Baba Yaga's shouting at her maize again and she's in a rage she's like how can you mares come back you were supposed to disappear they said we tried to but when we ran into the forest all sorts of um, animals of prey came after us and we had to come back for safety so Baba Yaga said okay I've had enough tomorrow you horses need to run into the ocean so that the prince cannot get you back so that the birds cannot find you and so that the cats of prey cannot kill you So the horses go, okay. okay." So the third day comes. It's the last day of the prince's trial. And he takes the horses out to the meadow. And then when he gets there, sure enough, they run into the ocean. And they run so deep that only their heads are above the water. And they're just chilling in the ocean like that. (laughs) By this, the prince doesn't find this funny. He obviously finds it upsetting. So he goes to his stone and cries himself to sleep. He is awoken at sunset by the queen bee, who says, "Awake, fair prince. The horses are in their stables, but do not go back to Baba Yaga. She will kill you. Instead, go behind the stables, where you will find a colt, a silly colt. I don't know why it's silly, but you'll find a silly colt. Take that colt and escape." So he did that. As he came back, he heard the Baba Yaga shouting at the horses, like, "How dare you come back a third time? When that prince returns." I will have his head. So he's like, okay, the bees were telling the truth. So he goes around to the back of the stables where the silly colt was. He grabs the silly colt, takes it to the meadow, feeds the colt so it gets all nice and fat, and then it transforms into this magnificent steed, which he rides out to go find his princess. Then he goes and he finds where his princess is kept, and the princess is like, what you're alive i saw you get cut into pieces and he's like no i'm back for you come we must ride and she says, but if he finds you he'll catch you up again and he says oh no this time i have a magic steed so she jumps on the horse with him and he runs off sure enough koski's horse tells him hey the prince is stealing the princess but this time he has a magic steed so koski asks his horse can we catch up and the steed says god knows and they mm. ran after the prince They did, in fact, gain up with the prince. But when they got just behind him, the prince's magical steed kicked Koski right in the head and he fell from his horse. Then the prince went down and finished him off with a club. To make sure that Koski was dead for sure, he took his body on top a pile of wood and burnt him to ashes. Him and his beloved princess were safe. He took his magical steed, and the princess took Kosky's steed, and they ran off and lived happily ever after with their magical horses.
1: I don't trust Koski's steed. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> what was very
0: cute is that the way the story actually ends is that um, they actually take their horses to go visit his sisters and thank the wizards. Aww. And then they actually feast and have a good time together. So it's oh, that's great. I, know. I like these stories. They're so sweet. So those are two stories of the Baba Yaga. So yeah, she's a tricky little witch who will agree to help you, but usually at a cost and you'll probably have to do things you can't do without a magical magical doll or an outlandish bird and a bee and a lion.
1: Imagine trying to eat a lion cub. (laughs) I know.
0: There's so much ridiculousness in this story, but it's 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 so beautiful. I love this. This is the story I'm gonna tell my kids one day. I'm not gonna read freaking Cinderella to them.
1: I'm gonna read that them this story. Um, Hansel and Gretel. Oh yeah. Like I feel like it has a very similar sort of vibe with the witch in the woods and like Oh
0: hundred hundred percent. In fact, one of the other the stories kids. one of the other stories that's exactly what happens is that these kids mm. want to stay with Baba Yaga because they get their parents can no longer afford them. So they go into the woods and come across this hut and she promises to look after them if they do her chores. But they weren't able to do the chores, so they tried to escape. And on the way they were stopped by like a tree and a lion and a bridge or something. And they showed these things kindness where Baba Yaga didn't. So they actually helped them escape. So oh, nice. Yeah. There was so like I said, there's literally hundreds and thousands of stories. I just wanted to share some of my favorite ones. I'm I'm quite a fan of this Baba Yaga.
1: Yeah, I mean her house has chicken legs. She's I not, love there's that. There's no way she's not like trippy a lot of the time, you, you know. You know
0: that's that's like my favorite thing. The, the the fact that it <laughs> has chicken, chicken legs. legs. Because um, it's that's why Baba Yaga is hard to find because her house keeps on moving. So the oh, the house moves and then a, they are pretty fast. And then the only way to actually Get into this house you have to say a magical phrase, which is turn your back to your to the woods and your face to me, and then it will turn and allow you to enter. Oh. It 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 is Baba Yaga is full of really fascinating little details. Like seriously, if you want to do yourself a favor, if you're bored one day, if you know you load shedding and you wanna like browse the internet, look up Baba Yaga stories. She is she's a hoot. So Jess... What is
1: this secret
0: story you have been keeping from me?
1: Well, I haven't been keeping it a secret on purpose. I kept it a secret because I actually didn't know that much about it. Um, I kind of just came across his name. And then I I read like a brief sort of thing of what it was about. And I was like, yes, this is creepy and weird. <laughs> um, and then I researched it. And it's like it, the whole thing is just like it just gets like it gets weirder, you know? It's, like, odd. Mm. Okay. So, you know how I usually start off with, like, the background and the childhood and their school and their life and then get into, like, the freaky stuff? Yeah? Well, I'm I'm not really going to be doing it that way because I don't really know how to, like, classify this type of person because he's not a serial killer. And this isn't, like, a ghost story. He's kind of, like... It's just really interesting. So, like, everything about this story is an odd fact. So, you're not going to be prepared for anything I tell you, because all around is just weird.
0: Okay, you have piqued my interest. Please continue.
1: (laughs) Good, 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 good. Okay, so his name is Anatoly Moskvin, and he was born in Russia in 1966. And in 2011, he was arrested when, in his home... Investigators from the Centre of Combating Extremism found twenty five mummified bodies. Oh Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now remember when I said um he's not a serial killer? Right? Okay, yeah. So he stole the body.
0: He oh, stole no. his bodies,
1: yeah. Um the police found him out when they were investigating increased reports of someone desecrating graves in the local cemeteries. But I'm gonna get more into detail with that now. Oh, no,
0: no. I think I know this guy. I think I know this guy. <laughs> Carry on. Okay, I'll tell okay. you if I'll tell you if it's who I think it is.
1: All right, all right. So, he apparently has had an interest in the dead since he was a child. Uh, he was a very smart kid in school, and he did very well academically. And like the only really strange thing about him at the time was that. He enjoyed walking through graveyards when he was a schoolboy because he found them to be very peaceful and calming and quiet. They are, though. They are. Um. Unfortunately, though, when he was, I th- think, in the third grade, he was sexually assaulted on his way home from school.
0: Oh, no. And
1: this is sort of when he started to become even more interested in cemeteries and the dead, and it's when people started to notice changes in his behavior and he was I guess more withdrawn obviously and you know he he was on his own a lot more and he went to the cemeteries more often I guess. Now apparently and this is according to Anatoly so there isn't really like any way to prove it we kind of just have to believe him but apparently this obsession with the dead really became a thing when he was about 11 years old so according to Anatoly He was walking through the cemetery one day when he was approached by some people and forced to attend the funeral of an 11-year-old girl. And during the funeral, at some point, he was somehow forced to kiss her. And he said that it was odd at first, but as he kept doing it, he he kind of started to like it. It felt more normal.
0: Wait, while he, he kept doing it, so it wasn't like a mwah and then walk
1: off. Yeah, it was. I think it was more like a kiss all over the face. They didn't describe exactly how he was supposed to kiss her, but I'm guessing it was like forehead, cheeks, lips—you know, like a whole around the face type of thing. But oh,
0: okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I know there are some cultures where you you kiss your loved one goodbye as like mm. a sign of respect. Yeah, I don't
1: know. So he began to like it. I guess so. Yeah, but I mean, like. I don't know how much I believe that story because why are you going to force like a rando kid to attend a funeral of a child and then force the rando kid to kiss your dead child's corpse? Mm. Like if it's a family member, I guess it makes sense in like a traditional type of thing. But it doesn't make sense to have a random person come and like kiss your dead child. But anyway, that's what he said happened. So it can't be proved otherwise. Okay. So later on in his life, he became a linguist, a philologist. Philology is the study of literature and literary text and um, verbal and written records. So it's like oh, someone cool. who studies text. And, Pretty much all the things I'm yeah. bad at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for agreeing. Anyway, so he, um, yeah, he became a linguist and a philologist and a historian. And I also read somewhere that he was a journalist at some point. So he wrote for a newspaper that I think specifically wrote obituaries and stories about the dead. And he also claimed to be a necropolist, And that is supposed to be an expert in cemeteries. So a necropolis is Uh, a very big cemetery or like a cemetery that covers a large area of land like, in a really old area. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a self-proclaimed title, though. I don't know if that's, like... I don't think that's an actual thing, but Oh, I thought it was an actual thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, basically, he just had extensive knowledge on um, the cemeteries in the area. So um, when he was studying, he was also very much interested in Celtic folklore and history, and he had... A very big um, interest, obviously, in cemeteries, as well as burying rituals, death, and the occult. So in 2005, he was commissioned to make, uh, to summarize and make a list of the dead in more than 700 cemeteries. So between 2005 and 2007, he managed to inspect around fifty two cemeteries in Nizni novgorod but listen okay he traveled by foot so he walked up to about 30 kilometers a day wow and he would drink water from puddles sleep in abandoned farms and barns and sometimes he would sleep in the cemeteries as well okay yeah police suspected him of vandalism and theft during this time But he wasn't arrested because, like, he was technically there for academic purposes. And also they couldn't prove Mm -hmm. that he'd actually done anything to the graves or to the dead. Okay. But they knew this guy was sus. I mean, obviously he's a
0: little bit weird. But, like... Okay. But he didn't... He wasn't actually doing anything. He
1: was just going around recording the information. So he did have a purpose for going there. And they couldn't prove he did anything weird. Okay. All right. So later on in his life, when he got older, he... He had never gotten married later on in life, and he apparently never dated anyone I wonder why.
0: He sounds so charming. (laughs) Maybe he just never found a cloth nice enough.
1: No one ever made him a really pretty cloth. That just blew his mind. But anyway, okay. So he never got married later on in life, and he apparently never dated anyone either. And he chose to live with his parents rather than to live alone. Apparently, though, he did claim that he wanted to marry a woman who at the time was 25. And she supposedly, um, like, attended the court hearings and things like that. Who this woman is, I don't know. I couldn't find a name. Um, And he didn't really mention how they knew each other. So, again, I'm not quite sure how true that statement is. I guess it just, like, depends on how much you trust Anatoly's words. So... Okay, you may be wondering, if he lived with his parents, how did they not notice the mummified bodies in their home? Mm -hmm. Well, they thought that these mummies were life-sized dolls. Okay, and now you may be wondering how on earth would they confuse 25 mummified bodies to be life-sized dolls? I will get into that a little bit later, but I, I feel like you should be very suspicious of your adult very single child that lives with you bringing home realistic looking life-sized dolls. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um specifically I would be concerned. if these life-sized dolls are of girls aged between 3 and 25 years old. Oh no. Yes. Yes, they were all bodies of young girls. Okay. <laughs> no. This is Yuck. all this is like mind-blowing the story is so weird. Okay, so as I said before Uh, Police were investigating into graves that had been desecrated, and originally they believed the number of bodies to be around 29, but only 26 were discovered throughout his home and his garage. And they also speculate that he had desecrated up to around 150 graves when police had found different items, uh, almost like memorabilia of other graves, like nameplates and things like that, that were removed from the gravestones. Police also found maps of the different cemeteries in the area, photos and videos of open graves and uncovered dead bodies, as well as instructions on how to make the dolls. Oh no. Mm. What? Although all of this stuff was found along with the bodies, none of the things that they could find were... They couldn't actually connect anything that they found to the bodies that he had in his home. So it's like they were all cemeteries and pictures and stuff of other bodies. Like, none of it was of the bodies Uh, he had in his home.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay.
1: Very strange, but anyway. He did cooperate very well with police. He was, like, pretty open about everything, which I think is a little bit weirder. Like surely it's natural for you to want to like hide your involvement in something like that? Or like lie about it? I mean
0: how are you gonna lie how are you gonna lie at this stage? They found like twenty five corpses in your house and all of this weird death like memorabilia Mm. at this point Yeah you're not gonna do this. At this (laughs) point does it
1: matter if you lie or not? The worst is already out in the open. I guess that's true. But anyhow, he he told the police that he had been making the dolls over the course of around 10 years. Wow. So, yeah. Obviously, a psychiatric evaluation had to be done. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. They determined that he had a form of paranoid schizophrenia. Okay, in- that makes sense. In 2012, he was deemed unfit for trial and was not considered criminally liable. He was then sentenced to coercive medical measures, which is basically compulsory psychiatric and medical treatment. Okay. And I think it covers voluntary and involuntary detention until the person is fit to be in society again.
0: Uh, that's that's a good, I feel like that's a, a, fair, a fair sentence. Because yeah. at least he's getting help, you know. Yeah.
1: So yeah, instead of the five years imprisonment, it's however long it takes for him to be okay, to be in society again. So
0: which I don't know if we'll ever be ever.
1: Well, after three years he was still deemed unfit for trial, and later on in twenty eighteen doctors believed that he was no longer any kind of danger to society and they petitioned Mm. for him to be released. But Okay. In early 2019, they withdrew the petition because they believe that it may have still been too soon. Okay. But I think it was later on in 2019, he was released for outpatient care from his home. So he didn't have to go for any medical treatments where he had to stay overnight. He could... Oh, like, uh, okay. Yeah, he he, would, he could go to a place, get get treatment or whatever thing he needed to be done, and he could go back. So during his interview after he was arrested he said that he did this because he felt sympathy especially for the dead children and he believed that they could be brought back to life through science or black magic and this is kind of where his studies came in Um, through his knowledge of Celtic history and culture he learned that the druids would sleep on the graves to communicate with the spirits of the dead
0: so he used
1: a similar sort of uh, I don't know what she called it, ritual, I guess, when he yeah. was out inspecting the graves. And he claimed that he never dug up a grave without the permission of the child first. So he would, wow. like, speak to okay. the spirit and they would be like, yeah, it's cool, dig me up,
0: you know? Do you think some of them said no and he was like, okay, fair enough, and then moved on to the next one?
1: Well, I guess so. I mean, maybe that's why he had the nameplates and memorabilia because he was like, I'm going to remember you anyway. I don't know. Fair point. Um, When he... Started getting older. He was obviously not able to physically sleep on the graves anymore without Mm. being, like, in pain. (laughs) Um, So, to... uh, Yeah, so he wasn't able to sleep on the graves to speak to the children anymore. So, he thought that perhaps if he dug up the bodies and brought them to his home, they would feel more comfortable than they were, like, in the ground, and they would be more willing to communicate with him. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So... (laughs) When making the dolls, he thought that since the bodies were decayed, the children would feel ashamed and unhappy in their bodies. So he tried to make it, like, as functional as possible for when they were eventually brought back to life. And he would stuff the bodies with old cloth and rags to make them appear fuller. And, like, the the body themselves were wrapped in cloth as well. So that's kind of why they appeared more like dolls Mm. than actual people. So I guess that's Mm. why, you know, his parents maybe confuse them with actual dolls. Um and apparently they were gone for a very long time as a while, so I don't I don't know if they maybe worked in a different area, but apparently they weren't home for like most of the the year. Anyway, so he he would also dress them in nice clothing and give them wigs and he would sometimes paint their nails as well so that they would feel more comfortable and happy with their appearance. I mean that's
0: kind of sweet in a really sick messed up way.
1: Yeah. He he's a confused man. Oh. He admitted that he knew that what he was doing was a crime, but he felt like you know saving the children was more important than following the law, and which he's... apparently,
0: according to the insanity defense that we covered in the episode we did with um, a teacher and a crime scene tech, mm. that if you know what you're doing is illegal, even in your insane state you can still be tried for it, and you can't use yeah. the insanity plea. Oh, we learn stuff here. Apparently,
1: <laughs> it's it's different in Russia, man. Oh, okay. Apparently, because that's okay. how it went down. But yeah, okay. he, he said that he regretted never having children, um, and he especially wanted a daughter. And apparently, he actually applied to adopt a child. His parents advised against it, but he he tried anyway. <laughs> yeah but his application was rejected because of his low income. Um, okay. Obviously Thank goodness. he he applied for this before all of the bodies and things were found, but yeah. So his his application was rejected. Now, my final my final little bit. I know. I know some people are probably going to assume that there was like some weird sexual thing going on here. Um I kind of made that assumption as well initially when I read that he only had young female dolls. It's yeah, also weird I think it's pretty to refer to, to them jump as to dolls, it. but like ugh.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's pretty fair to jump to that conclusion.
1: Yeah. But um he denies that anything like that ever happened because apparently he considered them to be his own children. Um and he would speak to them, he would sing to them, he would watch cartoons with them, and he would celebrate their birthdays by throwing birthday parties as well.
0: Because he would have the birthdays from the tombstones. That's yeah. so weird.
1: I know. I know. So, yeah, that's, that's, I'm ending it there because, man, I can't with any other weirdness. That is like, there's nothing, everything about this story is unsettling. Like, I feel like, like seriously. nothing that I told you about. Because normally, like, when I go through these stories, I, I'll start off with the normal bits. Like, okay, this this, and this and this happened. And then at this specific point in time, things started going a bit weird. Everything is weird. Like, everything was just... It, it, ugh, blows my mind.
0: So this is the story that I heard about. Like I, I, This is the story I was thinking of. I have heard mm-hmm. about it. Do you know how he was found?
1: Cannot remember. I know I did have that somewhere.
0: Okay, so what happened was there was this family who was upset um, that the their child's grave kept on being like um desecrated mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily desecrated first uh, letters to their deceased daughter was left on her Ooh. stone and they kept on coming up That's there weird. and they kept on finding toys and flowers and letters to their daughter who was deceased and this obviously upset them because they're like who is leaving this weird shit there yeah and um they they really because this i think their daughter died at the age of 7 or something so it mm-hmm. was and it was their only child so like this was very, very painful for the mm-hmm. parents involved. Mm. So they put an immense amount of pressure on the police to investigate. And the police were just completely stumped by this. But there were many other cases of similar things in the area. Mm-mm-mm. So what they did is they hired a specialist to to help them investigate this thing. Somebody who knows a lot about cemeteries. Oh. And... uh they actually ended up hiring him to investigate his own case
1: okay that i didn't know
0: that's how they caught him
1: that's crazy
0: so he actually helped them but he didn't admit to it and then they were like wait this guy there's something up with this guy and then they eventually end up investigating him and that's insane that's how they caught him i know right
1: That's crazy. This the story is like such a whirlwind of information.
0: Ah, And bizarre things.
1: I'm so glad I chose this guy.
0: Yes, me too. Oh my gosh. (gasps) Okay. Amazing. Wow. And with that, I think that is the end of episode three, season two. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. If you have a story that you would like us to tell, then please email it to Pod. that's Pod at gmail.com. You can also follow us or DM us on the social medias. we on the Facebook, we're on the Instagram, we're on the Twitter. And a huge, huge shout out and thank you to our patrons, Brad, who is recovering in hospital at the moment Mm -hmm. brad we wish you a speedy recovery we love you so much also a special shout out to our other two patrons to michael and to denise thank you guys for all of your love and for your support if you would like to become a patron all those details are on our website link is in the show notes forward slash description and uh yeah as always don't do
1: anything to graves man leave the graves alone
0: Leave the graves alone. Bye. Bye by Russian Slavist and ethnographer Alexandra Afanasyev. <laughs> As fun as... As fun as... (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Today, today I'll be sharing two of my favorite stories of the Baba Yaga. (laughs) There's going to be so many bloopers. (laughs) I cannot say these Russian names. Okay. Today, I will be sharing two of my favorite stories of the Baba Yaga, collected by the... uh, the next morning, Baba Yaga is not only surprised to see that all the chores are done, but um, that. Wait, I don't know where I'm going with this. Hang on. OK, so we're going to back up a little bit.
1: Man, so I need to start making some cloth. <laughs> I think that's my downfall. Down I'm not making any any cloth. beautiful cloth to attract <laughs> the boys. <laughs> that is hilarious
0: the death of Kosh, Koshki wait there was one survivor who with his last breath was able to like tell him that this it was princess myra Marie. i can't say this name princess marya morevna oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> again that the horse. horse the horse alerted what's his name? Kos Kosky No no, like I cannot leave with you because if he finds you, if he catches up, he's gonna chop you into princess. To which he replies to his princess He's gonna chop you into princess. Sorry, he's gonna chop trop- <laughs> Skowsky. What's his name? <laughs> Kosky 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 he chopped
1: the pins. The pin. There's a helicopter. Can you hear the helicopter? Okay, what's that? A, philo- a philo-logi- philo-logi- philologist. A philologist. A philologist. philologist. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. let me just double check what that is exactly. I forgot to write <laughs> that down.
0: That's a philologist. <laughs> philologist. Are you saying it right? Yes. Philologist. Whoopsie!
1: Philologist,
0: philologist, philologist, philologist,
1: philololololologist, philololololologist. He managed to inspect around seven hundred and fifty-two cemeteries. In, Okay can't wait. There's a name. I'm in. I'm
0: impressed by the city like, the thirty kilometers a day thing because I've got a Fitbit and I'm struggling to even make 10,000 steps a day. <laughs> Dating profile.
1: I like long walks in the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy, man. He did cooperate. Co- cooperate. Cooperate. He did cooperate. They, um, yeah, but late, later on in 2000, uh, 2018. Sorry. I'm just going to start that again cause there's like a lot of um and stuff going on that was a freaking good episode that was I a know. freaking
0: good episode i know good episode bro good episode bro, bro. 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 bro.